Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Well, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We won't read there right away, um, but uh, if you're familiar with Scripture, you'll know that Matthew, chapter 5, is what people call the Sermon on the Mount. And it is a sermon that Jesus preached. Can we just pause there for a second and imagine that? I am a student of preachers. I, I listen to one sermon a day. Uh, it is like a part of my diet. I, I try and grow. I try and learn. Half the stuff I tell you is not even mine, to be honest. I take it from other people. I, I love learning and growing and, and watching others. And what I would give, what I wouldn't give to have been there on that day. Yes, sir. Yeah. To hear the Son of God preach a Come message. On. Can you imagine how he would, he would have used his voice, you know, and how he would inflect. I bet Jesus had jokes. I bet you he had jokes. I bet you Jesus had jokes. And I would have loved to hear him. They didn't write them down in the scriptures because it would have probably taken away from the point. But I'm sure, I'm sure that he had them. And I would have loved to see him just communicate. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, it's a little bit before my time. But I did have the opportunity of when Liz and I first got married on a trip to Israel to actually see the location where many believe that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a really special place. And one of the things that makes it special, our tour guide was demonstrating for us, was the acoustics of the building. It wasn't a building. The acoustics <laughs> of the hillside. <laughs> I'm thinking building, but because we're in one. The acoustics of the hillside. Um, he set up on the mountain, and we just started going far away. And no matter how far away we could go, everything that he said, it echoed, and we heard it. it was, and then there was a lake right at the bottom of the hill, which was also significant because our tour guide pointed out to where there are cities today. And he said that those cities that are there today are cities that were there thousands of years ago. So what the point he was trying to make was that Jesus, when Jesus was preaching this message, he was, he was preaching it to the disciples, but he was preaching it in a way he knew that everyone else would hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one theologian said it this way, yeah. the Sermon on the Mount was a message whispered to the church, but heard around the world. Now, not every message that Jesus preached was in this environment. Sometimes he'd go behind closed doors. Sometimes he'd preach in the garden. But to be in this environment preaching this message to believers, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7, is written to believers, to followers. It tells us something. The preaching is already preaching before the preaching. And the preaching is telling us that Jesus is preaching to the church before the city. He's preaching to the church but for the city. You know, some of the things that God does to you are not for you. Did you know that? Sometimes God will do things to you that are not for you. If you don't believe that, just look at Jesus who hung on the cross and the Roman guards, they crucified him. And even though it was happening to him, it wasn't for him, it was for you and me. Think about the man who was born blind when the people asked, Father, why was this man born blind? Who did this to him? Was it his father's sin? Was it his sin? And Jesus said, there was nothing that this man did that caused him. He's blind for you so that you could see God's glory. And then, of course, he healed him. This is why I believe so many people miss their breakthrough because they think their breakthrough is for you. 
And it's not. So many people that are missing their breakthrough are not missing it because it had not happened. They're missing it because it happened and they didn't realize it because they still feel the same way on the inside. But I challenge you to stop looking at yourself for a second and look at the lives around you. You've been looking in the mirror, wrestling with depression, wrestling with addiction, wrestling with a a struggle. And every day looking, man, I'm still wrestling. Man, I'm still wrestling. Where is my breakthrough? But the people closest to you are watching you fight that same fight. And as they watch you fight, that fight, they get hope even though you're hopeless. You got to understand that they're getting the breakthrough by watching you fight. By the way, that's why it's called breakthrough. (laughs) Not because you're breaking through a glass or breaking through a level, but because of what God can do through you through your breaking. It's, it's, It's break through. Everybody wants to get through, but nobody wants to break. It's a compound word. It doesn't work otherwise. He does it to you. So sometimes the hardships that happen to us happen to us and we get frustrated, but they're not, it's because they're not for us. It's for those people who are around us and, and, and not just the bad things, but the good things too. I think the context of this passage of scripture is preaching the same message because in verses one through 12 in chapter five, we are introduced to one of the most famous passages of scripture in the Sermon on the Mount and just in scripture in general called the Beatitudes or also known as the Blessings. And, uh, and it's, you know, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. And there's a lot of blessings that go. But in verse 13 and 14, Jesus continues to explain the reason for those blessings. Yes, and he goes on to explain that the reason that you're blessed is so that you can be a blessing. Yes, sir. I didn't just bless you. I wanted to bless through you yes, for others. I don't know if you've caught on yet, but... The same way Jesus used that place as a prop, we're kind of using this place as a prop too. I'm trying to communicate a message to you today with our city in the background that the church Uh is to you, but not for you. Uh It's a revelation if you grasp that. It's to you, but not for you. It's so that we can be a blessing to others. In verse 1 through 12, you hear the blessings, but in verse 13 and 14, again, you see the purpose of those blessings. I gotta be honest, I, I've missed my city. I'm kinda glad that it's reopening. I think we gotta do it carefully. I still think coronavirus is a real thing. I think we gotta be cautious, and we're gonna be cautious as we come back. My wife and the kids, we got the chance to go to Universal Studios. These are the things that make Orlando special. You take the theme parks away from Orlando, we just got Miami, you know? And <laughs> nobody likes Miami. I'm just playing, I'm just playing Miami, just playing Miami. Um, no, you know, you just got the Bahamas if we don't have things to do, you know what I'm saying? And so, so glad that we're reopening. I missed it. Uh, I gotta be honest, I missed you. I missed you. And I missed, I missed all you guys, the ones that are just joined us for the first time. I, I can't wait to see you six feet apart. I can't wait to <laughs> say hi and ask you how, how you've been. And, but the question that I've been asking myself while I'm missing my city and while I'm missing you is, does the city miss us? That's a good one. Come on. I used to hate when my pastor would challenge us that way. Mm. We were going to be a church that if we shut down, the city will miss us. I would always, that would always bother me because I'm like, pastor, there's like millions of people. They don't even know we're here. Can we just be real right now? Nobody's missing us right now. Wow. But as I reflect more on the heart of what he was saying, I don't think he was saying, would the city miss us? I think he was saying, would your coworkers miss you? Wow. Did your neighbors miss you? Did your friends miss you? Did the people that you impacted, did the, did the guy at the post office, did he miss you? Yeah, come on. Did the lady behind the public counter, did she miss you? The people in traffic on your way to the work, you know they didn't miss you. Uh-uh. 
cutting them off and all that craziness? And did, they, did they miss you? I just believe we ought to be a church that has that, that focus and that impact. That's why I'm excited to announce uh, Serve Day 2020. Uh, it's going to be Saturday, July 11th. If you forget, it's 7-Eleven. Can't forget that, 7-Eleven. <laughs> if you're new to Journey Church, Serve Day is something that we do in our community one day every year. We have Serve Saturday every month. Every month we're in the community, and there's a team that goes out and does that. It's pretty much our dream team, people that feel passionate, excuse me, about the uh, topic of outreach. But on Serve Day, the whole church goes out, or at least those who are able and willing. And I want to encourage you right now to go to, well, not right now, wait till the sermon's over. But at the end of the sermon, go to journeyrl.com forward slash Serve Day forward slash serve day, because we're really looking for people to lead projects in this city, serve projects. And I'm not asking you to put on something huge. You could do something small in your corner of this city. In fact, I think that's the most impactful way to have serve day, not to rent out the amphitheater in Lake Eola and do a service. The last thing this city needs is a worship service out there right now. They need, they're hungry. They need to be fed. They need to have clothes. They need to be met with compassion. And if you just impact your corner of the city, I just think that's what revival looks like when we just start loving our neighbors and the people in our corners. So if you get on that website, there won't be many projects up. In fact, I don't think there'll be any projects up right now. And that's because we're kind of counting on you to create those projects. If you can't lead a project for whatever reason, then visit that page regularly because anyone who does start a project, that information is going to get uploaded there and you can register uh, right there. We also have ideas for surf projects there. So this message is really, I'm really hoping to push us in that direction. And then my hope, my hope, here's my hope. My hope is that with the city in view, at the end of these next 25 minutes, a week before we go back into in-person services, that as a church, we would redefine what the word services means to us. Yeah. That we wouldn't think of the church as services, but services as the church. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is preaching. Let me tell you why you are here. Can we just pause right there? What a banger opening line, Jesus. He just cut right to it. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. This is the message version in case you were wondering. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a church service on a roof. I'm sorry, as a city on a hill. If you make light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a rooftop, I mean hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. That way, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The title of today's message is Sea Salt. Sea Salt. But not C-S-E-A, C-S-E-E. Sea Salt. You know, I find it a little perturbing, perhaps even offensive, that Jesus would choose to describe you and I as salt. 
especially considering that he had the entire periodic table at his, <laughs> at his disposal. But of all things, he said, salt. I don't know, Jesus, if I quite agree with that estimation. Perhaps iron would have been a better description of the, the sword and the shield that the church be fighting and just slashing the devil. And maybe iron would have been a good one. Maybe water, right? Because that would have been good because then we could have been real clever as preachers with our sermons. We'd have been like, don't be thirsty, come to church, right? Because church is, church is water, right? Or, or perhaps even gold. What about that? Had he said, you are the gold of the earth, that would have had some serious implications because to be gold is to be valuable. Well, I think I, I discovered the reason why Jesus called us salt, and a bit of it is just lost in time. Back in, Bible, in the Bible's time, did you know that salt was actually very expensive? Yeah. It was actually very valuable. In fact, did you know that salt was worth its weight in gold? that salt and gold were, were equally valuable. It was so valuable that Roman soldiers would often be paid in salt. That's why we get the word salary, S-A-L, from salary. We get salary from the word salt. And the reason why salt was so valuable was for two reasons. One, they had to mine it from the Dead Sea, which was difficult, uh, but also because it was so useful. You can do 14,000 different things with salt. 14,000. You say, JJ, how do you know? Google. If you, if you Google right now, how many things can you do with salt? It will say over 14,000 things. One thing in particular that you and I take for granted is the advent of the refrigerator. Right now, when you buy something, you put it in your fridge and it stays good until you use it. But back then, before they had refrigerators, do you know how they preserved their food? With salt. It's actually still used that way today, which is why all of your microwavable food is high in sodium. Because the people who made it are trying to preserve it. Boom, just blew your mind. Right there. You don't even know throwing out all the microwavable food. Today, don't do that. COVID, you never know. You might get stuck back in. Keep the microwavable food. But here's my question. Here's where I get concerned. Here's where I get lost. Salt still does all those things today. Yet its price has dropped drastically, even though it still does all the same things. Why? The reason why is because humans value things differently than the way God values things. See, humans value things based on their rarity. So as they began to mine salt and salt became more common, well, as salt became more common, salt became less valuable because there was more of it. You understand the principle. It's why baseball cards, right? Why a Mickey Mantle rookie mint condition, why Michael Jordan's 23 from North Carolina, Jersey, why it would be a lot of money because there's not many of them, right? We value things based on their rarity. That's why uh, gold is still valuable today because gold is as rare today as it was yesterday and as it was 2,000 years ago. Yet, have you ever noticed <laughs> that you can't use gold? You can't 
Eat gold. Gold will not keep you warm. Gold will not preserve your food. Gold does not keep the natural ionic balance in your body positive and neutral. I made that up, but it sounded legit. So <laughs> gold does not, have you ever noticed that we are willing to pay so much money for something that does nothing but is shiny? The only reason we value it is because it's shiny. I mean, I think that's why God called us salt and not gold. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, he could have called us gold if all he was trying to communicate was value because he would have had the foresight to see that in the future, gold would have been more valuable than salt. But he didn't. He chose to keep it the same. Here's what I think. Because to God, salt is still more valuable than gold. Yes, sir. Why? Yes, sir. Because men base value on rarity, but God bases value on usefulness. To God, God can't value things based on their rarity. Because if there was anything rare to God, he would just make more of it. Hey. Hey. If, if, if platinum was rare to God, he'd make more platinum. Yes, sir. If silver was rare to God, he'd, he'd make more silver. If there was a flower that was rare to God, he'd just, he'd just plant more flowers. He, <laughs> nothing is, so how can, so the concept of rarity. Uh, gold is not valuable to the Lord. That's why in heaven the streets are made of it. Yes, sir. People say, well, the, the streets are made of gold because God values gold. The streets are made of gold because he wants to tell you that's how little I think of it. We walk on it. Hey. Nothing. I, I spit on it. It's nothing. Hey. It's, it's nothing. Nothing can be rare to God because God can make all things except one My thing. God. The only thing God can't make is God can't make you kind. God can't make you share. Come on, sir. God can't make you sacrifice. God can't make you be generous. God can't make you love. God can't make you find peace or fight for peace. That's the only thing God can't make. Gold's not rare to God. Obedience is. Obedience is rare to God. And that's why it's valuable. Because he's looking for things that he can use. He's looking for people he can use. My God. We're looking for a place to have church right now. Hey. And there are some buildings that we're looking at. And I go in there and I got to be honest. The first thing I look is, okay, how does this place smell? Huh? <laughs> got to be honest. Some of the places that we've been looking at <laughs> don't smell great. <laughs> My next question is, how clean is it? Is it clean? We got to make sure it's clean. Is it all right? How about the AVL, the audio, the video, the lights? Is, is that? And, and it was hard to find a place as good as where we were. And as I was struggling to find a place, I felt the Lord kind of minister to me. He goes, JJ, you got it all wrong. He goes, it's okay if you don't end up in the perfect building because I'm not looking for a shiny church. I'm looking for a useful church. So you can't do two services, so you can't have moving lights. But when people walk through the door, will you love them like you've never loved anybody else in your life from six feet? Will you love them that way? Will you care for them that way? God's not looking for a shiny church. He's looking for a useful church, which while we're on that point, are you trying to be shiny or are you trying to be useful? Because I think a lot of people are trying to be shiny. They're trying to, they're trying to look good but not do good. 
particularly in the context of conversation. I don't know if you ever had a conversation with somebody and you start to get the feeling that that person is not really appreciating you and you look for opportunities to drop out <laughs> facts about you. Come on, don't say like you don't. You'll be like, oh, you live in Florida? Graduated from UF. Graduated from UF. Yeah, you know, Capital, UF, 4.0. I saw Tebow win a championship, you know. Yeah, I lead the ministry at my church. And I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure in a conversation to be somebody. I don't think we should enter conversations from the perspective of trying to look valuable. I think we should enter conversation from the perspective of trying to add value. God didn't call you to be impressive. He called you to be impactful. Yes, sir. There's a difference. Yes, sir. Jesus was the least was the least impressive person. If Jesus walked into this room, you know that song. What would you do if he walked into the room? Nothing, because you wouldn't even recognize him. Did somebody get that little brown-skinned dude with the long beard and smells like outside? (laughs) Get him out of here. He was the least impressive person you'd have ever met. But he was by far the most impactful. By far the most impactful. Useful. We got to be useful as a church. One of the really cool things that salt does, if you are a chef of any order, you are familiar with the fact that salt enhances flavor. Salt enhances flavor. I want to tell you the story of the best steak I've ever eaten in my life. It was in uh, Washington State, and uh, I was was preaching at a youth camp, and at the end of the camp, the camp director invited me over his cabin along with the rest of us. My wife was there, she can attest to this. Ask her, what is the best steak you've ever had in your life? She will tell you this. We went to the camp director's cabin and uh, he pulls out this steak. And as soon as he pulls out the steak, I'm uneducated in the ways of steak. This man educated me, he schooled me and I've never been the same. Since the moment he pulled out the steak, I offended him. It was an accident, I didn't mean to. I said, do you have any A1? That's what I said. Where my A1 people at in the house? Come on. I said, do you have any A1? He looked at me like, boy, A1? I don't, we don't got no any A1. He, goes, he said, just, just take a bite, man. And then after you take a bite, you tell me if it needs something else. So I cut it, took a bite. It was the most delicious, flavorful, satiating, special. I'm trying to go through all of my adjectives. I, I ran out. Good. It was just a really good steak. I said, man, what'd you put on this steak? He said, nothing but salt. Yeah. Yeah. Salt. Yeah. If you're taking notes, write this down. Salt makes it better. Salt makes it better. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. The Hebrew, the, the Greek word for earth that Jesus uses here is the word gi, and it actually means natural earth. So this is significant because what Jesus is doing is he's pulling our attention to this world, to Monday. He's pulling our attention to Tuesday. And what he's saying is that Christians are supposed to make Monday better. Christians are supposed to make Tuesday better. Christians are supposed to make the world, this earth, better. That's why we fight for social justice. Because this this is the thing that God's called us to make better. And so I'm questioning, I'm asking, do, do, do you make it better? Because as a church, we need to make it better. Anything. You, if you, a Christian should be like Saul. You add him to something, you add her to something, yeah. 
and it gets better. You think that's a good party? Throw a Christian up in that party. That party will get better. Come on. You think we can't have fun? We can have fun. My boy John's a DJ. And he's a Christian. You throw him in the party, it's going to drop. We got our own dance move, Jesus Juke. Come on, that's Jesus right there, bro. Jesus, it's a thing starting today. <laughs> it's a thing. I'm just saying, we make things funner. We make things better. We think more, more peaceful. This is why I get upset when people get upset about the fact that we're still talking about racial injustice. And they get upset because, they, well, hey, this is the church, you guys. When are you going to go back to preaching Jesus? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all for Black Lives Matters, but Jesus here. Come on now. When are you going to go back to preaching Jesus? And I'm like, dude, I am. This is his sermon. He's the one who said it. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is a Jesus who cares about injustice. This is a Jesus who cares about people. And he didn't create the church to be the person that points at the exit sign when the room gets dark. Hell is not the exit sign to the theater. Hell is not, listen, there's a fire and this is not good. Everybody get out. That's heaven. Can't wait to get there. Uh-huh. No. Come on. He, he, he wants us to change this place right here. Make this place better. It's not just to leave this earth. It's to make this earth better. That's why Jesus preached your kingdom come. Yes. He didn't say us go to the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when things got hard, he didn't say to the kingdom we go. <laughs> to, to the kingdom we go. Peter, they're coming to kill me. To the kingdom we go. It's silly. But did you see? He said, I ain't trying to get out. Your kingdom come here. Your will be done here on earth like it is in heaven. Make it here. Make it here. Do you know how salt works? You probably don't because why would you? Only people who are preaching about salt have to research this stuff. I was very interested to find out that salt does not technically add flavor to steak or anything for that matter. The reality is that every food has a tint of bitterness to it. What salt does is salt neutralizes the bitterness, not to add flavor to the food, but so that you can taste what the food was always supposed to taste like. If you're taking notes, write this down. Salt keeps me from being bitter. You know, the earth is beautiful and bad, but the bad parts don't have to make you bitter. I have found a new way to deal with hurt and anxiety in my life. I'd like to share the trick with you if you struggle with anxiety or fear or hurt. I call people on the phone, people who I know are going through something, and I pray with them. If I've called you in the last week, I was going through something. (laughs) If I call you next week, I'm probably going through something. Don't pray for me before I pray for you, but... I've just found the antidote, the antidote to bitterness, to bitterness is selflessness. I'm not going to allow racism to make me bitter. I'm going to love through it, surf through it. I'm going to find people who don't see things the way I see it, and I'm going to find ways to bless their life. The thing about getting bitter is that when you get bitter, you, you feel like you got to do something. But, but even King, Dr. Luther King said, you know, the, uh, dark won't cast out dark. Yeah. Light can only cast out dark. The way you heal bitterness is with salt. It's with, it's with 
loving on others. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got two options, church. You can either be salt or be salty. You, you choose. You choose. And this doesn't even go with the message, but I got to throw this in here. This is like a vent moment. Can I vent? If it's not good, they'll edit it out at the end. But I just got to vent. It's a totally a side subject, but it's still on the topic of salt. This isn't a shot at anybody. This isn't anybody online. But sometimes when people leave the church, and not just not this church, but any church I've ever been at, one of the biggest complaints I hear in the meeting when they explain to me that they're transitioning is, well, pastor, I just wasn't being fed. Just wasn't being, just wasn't being fed. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But if you're salt, But if you're salt, aren't other people supposed to be? Uh-huh. Aren't you supposed to be feeding other people? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just think I think I found a great reason to leave a church. I didn't know if there was one, you know, morality, failure, financial, like uh, shady stuff. But I think I found a great reason to leave a church. Not I'm being fed. Here's your reason for leaving any church. I'm not feeding anyone. But if your church has given you the opportunity to hold a door, to lead a small group, to watch kids at Journey Church, to sing a song, if your church has given you an opportunity to help someone to their seat, to park a car, then get involved and start feeding other people because you're not supposed to. You're salt. You're what the world feeds off of. I'm just trying to change your paradigm of what church is. It's not the place where we get fed. It's the place where we feed others. Church isn't for us. We are the church and we exist for, for the world, for the world. So let's not focus on being shiny. Let's focus on shining. Matthew chapter five, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Somebody say the light, the light of the world. And what do lights do? Lights help people Sea salt. (laughs) Lights help people see. See what? Well, the answer is hidden in the translation of that passage. Jesus says in verse 13, he says that we are the salt of the earth. But then he says in verse 14, we are the light of the world. And world and earth are not the same words, not in English and not in Greek. In Greek, you have gi for earth, but in world, for world, the Greek word is cosmos, which is where we get the word cosmos <laughs> from. And if you're not familiar with this word cosmos, cosmos is a, a reference to the universe. And the universe is out there. And so I don't know if you're following me, but he's saying, I need you to be the salt down here so that they can see. I need you to be the salt of the earth so that they can see the cosmos. So that they can lift up their eyes and look at God and realize that I'm here. Salt deals with morality. Light deals with spirituality. Salt deals with service. Light deals with the reason for my service. The reason for my service is twofold. Number one, the reason for my service, number one, is because I see God in them. When I first wrote the notes, 
I had it. I see God in you. But then I, I thought, but you don't have a problem with you. You love you. <laughs> so that's not going to help you because you are you's biggest fan. You would do anything for you. <laughs> but would you do it for them? Yes, sir. Who's them? I don't know who's your them. We all got a different them. Yes, sir. That's right. We all got a different us. Yes. And typically the world is divided into us and them. Has been since the beginning of time. And so I'm speaking about your them. Whatever your them is. The ones you don't agree with. The ones who you don't believe the same with. The ones who you see as enemies. The ones who you fight with. The ones that you might even possibly hate. Them. I see God in them. I believe black lives matter. But have we ever stopped to ask the question why? Yep. I heard someone once say, not a believer. They said, because all living beings, if you, if you have breath in your lungs, you matter. You're important. You're alive. And I'm like, really? Because I just paid a lot of money to kill a bunch of mosquitoes <laughs> in my backyard. And I'm pretty sure they breathe. I'm pretty sure they're alive. Is it because... Black people are just living beings that they deserve to be treated with respect and love and humility and, and care and, and, and protection because I saw you stomp that cockroach quicker <laughs> than you could say the word cockroach and that's a living being too. Do you know why people matter? Uh -huh. Why black lives matter? Because black people were made in the image of God. That's it. Yes. That's it. People are made in the image of God. And so when I see them, that's why your heart ought to break when you see a black man being murdered on the side of a street suffocating because that's not a person. That's a person who was made in God's image. That's the Lord being killed on the side of the road 2,000 years after Calvary. I see God in them. You got to be able to see the Lord in every enemy. You got to be able to see the Lord in every race. You got to be able to see the Lord in every age. You got to be able to see the Lord in every sexual orientation. You got to be able to see the Lord no matter who it is or where they come from. You got to see, you might not have to agree, but you got to see them for who they are. They were created in God's image. And the second reason for my service is I want them to see God. I see God in them was my first point. And my second point is I want them to see God. Make no mistake, I want the earth to be a better place. I do. And because of that, we'll, we'll lobby for policies. We'll, we'll bring awareness to social issues. We'll feed the hungry. We'll, we'll do everything that we can do as a church to help people be protected and loved and cared. But I can't keep people safe if I don't address the real issue, the main issue, the, the deepest issue, which is sin. Yep. Sin. I said it before, I'll say it again. You can pass all the laws you want. You will never, you will never illegalize hate. Even if you pass a hate law, I might not act on the hate, but I will find a legal way to hate. I will find a legal way to discriminate. I will find a legal way to hurt people. Sin is the issue. And the only solution for sin is God. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The Bible says no one has seen God for he is invisible. But when we love one another, they see God. If we want to heal the world of their sin and of their hurt, the only way that's going to happen is if we show them God. Now we show them through our salt, but we show them for healing. We show them our care. I'm reminded of a, 
of a short man in the Bible. The Bible's most famous short man. His name was Zacchaeus. 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 You could pronounce it however. <laughs> Let's just call him Zach. Let's just call him Zach. I'm reminded of this man. Zach, he was a tax collector, chief tax collector. And uh, people back in the day, they, the rules changed so often. So Zach would just go to people's houses and be like, hey, the taxes this day are this much. And they would have no way of verifying if that were true or not. And they would have to give so much, so much. And it was just known that tax collectors were just liars and thieves. Not only that, but they were seen as traitors because they were Jewish, but they were working for the Roman Empire. And so like, you don't even, you know, you're not even about us. And they were just hated. And, and if there was ever a symbol of injustice in the New Testament, you can look at the system of tax collecting as an image of that, yeah. of injustice. But one day, a man named Jesus uh -huh. was walking down the street, saw little Zach sitting in a tree. <laughs> and he said, hey man, I want to have dinner at your house. Can, can I share a meal at your house? In fact, he didn't even ask. <laughs> he said, I'm going to eat at your house. You down and... and and they went down and they shared a meal. And at the end of that meal, Zacchaeus was so touched that not only did he give his life to following Jesus, but he said this, half of all of my possessions I give to the poor. And if I've stolen from anyone, I will give that person back four times. Injustice was solved with a sandwich. With compassion. With a meal sitting down at the table with someone you wouldn't normally sit down at the table with. Come on, brother. Come on. Injustice was resolved with a meal. Jesus was always Jesus. He knew it. He knew Jesus' miracles. He had heard about the miracles. He climbed the tree so that he could see a miracle, but saw none. But changed. Zacchaeus' life was not a miracle. Uh -huh. It was kindness yeah, right. and compassion. Some people think, man, if I had a church today, if I had a church today that could raise the dead, we'd see revival. If I had a church today that could split the waters, we'd see revival. Jesus did none of those things. Yeah. And Zacchaeus gave his life. How about if I had a church today that would sit down with the poor? If I had a church today that would sit down with those who aren't like yes, us. Lord. If I had a church today that would be compassionate. If I had a church today that would sacrifice, then I think we could have revival with or without the supernatural signs and wonders. I pray for them. I ask for them every day. But I don't need them to display Jesus' power to the world. Just got to love people. Just got to love people. And you know the moment when Zacchaeus gave his life? He said this. He said, when Zacchaeus heard the people saying, look at Jesus hanging around with people like that. When Zacchaeus heard that, the Bible says he threw down half of my possessions. What am I trying to say? When he saw everything that Jesus was willing to go through. Yeah. Wow. Aha. Yeah. Uh -huh. so when the world sees, when the world sees everything Journey Church is willing to go through to get to them, to reach them, to love them, that's when I think they come home. And that's when I think injustice subsides. Amen. Yes. Amen. yes. If you're watching this today, I've got a clear next step. Serve day. I want you to go or write it down again. Journeyall.com forward slash serve day.
And I can see some people thinking, man, why are you gonna lose the moment? We got a great moment in this place because this moment isn't supposed to end here. This moment is just supposed to be a step to a much greater moment out there. And I don't expect that one day will change the trajectory of your life. I don't think you'll do this outreach and nothing will be the same again. But I think that this one day might take you a little bit closer and us closer as a church to the intention of church when God invented the church. And so I want to invite you to do that today. And in a moment, as a church, we're going to sing this song blessing over our community. We're going to sing this song blessing over our city. We'll pray for them, stretch our hands out. But I want to take a second to help someone today who might not see cosmos, the heaven, might not see God. Maybe you just joined this live feed or maybe someone you know invited you and you would say, listening to me, that you don't really have a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's not existent. Um, you've gone to church, you kind of know a little bit about what's right and what's wrong, but, but a relationship, I, don't, I think this would be more of a religion you never really tapped into, but, but a relationship, I want to offer you that today. There's a Jesus who's willing to sit down at your table. I love that Jesus didn't ask Zacchaeus to come to his house. He met him where he lived. He met him where he was. And there's a Jesus who's willing to meet you where you are today. He's willing to go to your house right there. I know you're watching this at home. Jesus is willing to step into that room right now and share a meal with you, share compassion with you, share kindness with you. If that's you, all over the country, when I say three, I want you to shoot both hands to the sky. You can go like that, you can go like that, however you want to do it. The height doesn't matter. It's the position of the heart. Yeah. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Are you ready? On three. One. Don't miss your moment. Two. This is for you and your household. One, two, three. Right now, lift both those hands. Right now. Come on. Both those hands up. Real guy. I see it. See it in my spirit. I see it in my spirit. Can I give more time? If you can't get both hands up, get one hand up. Give my life to you, Jesus. All right. Amen. You can put your hand down. Pray this prayer with me online. Pray this prayer with me in the room. Dear Jesus, I'm coming home. I give you my life. I want to start a relationship with you today. My past is gone. And today, I'm a new creation. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me see. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together for all those? Come on. Yeah. We love you, Lord. Amen. Hey, well, if you just made that decision, we want you to text the word journey to 55498. You'll see it below me on the screen. Journey to 55498. As soon as this service is over, visit the website, journeyall.com forward slash serve day and sign up for a project. Can't wait to make a difference with you on July 11th, 7-Eleven, serve day. It's going to be good. Can you guys help me do something special here today? It's a bit symbolic. If you're at home, you can do this with us too. When we first came into this whole lockdown studio, we sang a song. It was at the beginning of this virus, and we're still not out of it completely. But at the beginning, we sang the song Blessing. And we played a, prayed a blessing. We sang a blessing over all the online people who are watching, the people in different cities and areas of our country. And today, as we transition back into in-live and in-person gatherings, we want to do the same thing. We want to pray a blessing over our community and pray a blessing over our brothers and sisters that are going to be joining us next week, live, 2 p.m. Sunday. It's going to be special. But uh, this was to us for them. Can we do it? Would you stretch your hands out? 
towards the city. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Father, we believe that there is power in prayer. We believe that there is power in your presence. And we believe there is power in service. God, we can't wait to hit the streets and share your love with others, the hurting, the dying, the disenfranchised, the outcast, the marginalized. We can't wait to go make our home among them like you did with Zach. But God, we would be missing an element if it wasn't for your presence. Right now, God, we just pray a blessing over this city. We pray a, an outpour right now over this city. God, we pray that your presence would be felt. Journey Church doesn't need the credit, but I pray you would get the credit. You would get the glory. I pray people would turn their eyes to the cosmos because of the salt of our servanthood, the salt of our sacrifice, the salt of our actions, that it would lift their eyes to the skies and know that there is a God who loves them with everything that they've got, with everything that you've got. Father, we, we pray a blessing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We agree in every home. We agree. Come on, say amen. 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 We agree in every home. We agree in every room. We agree from every smart device. We agree. Revival in our city. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.